The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven, approached, rolled back the stone, and sat upon it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing was white as snow. The guards were shaking with fear of him and became like dead men. Then the angel said to the women in reply, Do not be afraid. I know that you are seeking Jesus, the crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has been raised from the dead, and he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. Then they went away quickly from the tomb, fearful yet overjoyed, and ran to announce this to his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them on their way and greeted them. They approached, embraced his feet, and did him homage. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go, tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. The Gospel of the Lord. It's here, it's Easter, this is the best. Ah, oh, so happy we got to say hallelujah again. We did the Gloria, the lights are on, the flowers smell beautiful. We have incense, it is so awesome. Ah, oh, man, I am pumped. Is everyone awake still? All right, good, just making sure. Ah, oh, it's so good. Thirteen years and six days ago, I sat where these four sat. You get to be baptized tonight. How excited are you? Okay, I'll get back to you later. Man, I am like jacked up right now. All right, I'm not calming down. This is too good. Let's just think about like what we just experienced. We just heard in those readings salvation history. How cool is that? How amazing is it to hear God's work for us, the story of him encountering us just again and again and again, right? We, there were some covenants we heard and some we didn't. We talk about some major covenants, right? The first one was with Adam. We hear that in, in the first reading, right, with the creation of man, the creation of really the, the cosmos, the world. And the sign there was the Sabbath, the importance of rest, that after all of this creation, after all of this work, God not only said it was good, he said it was very good when he looked upon man, and he rested. He said, I, I need to rest, I need to be calm. For us, that's why the Sabbath is so important. It's a, it's a day for us, after all the work, after all the toil, after everything we do, it's a day that we can just be. And, and that's really important to remember because if we don't be, if we don't rest, we're not allowing ourselves this time to encounter God. 
The second covenant that comes along often, or that, that we know of, is Noah. And the, the form of the covenant there is the family. And the sign of that is the rainbow, the reminder that God will never bring destruction to the earth again. And then we have Abraham. We heard about Abraham in, in the readings tonight. The covenant there is the, the form of it's a tribe. And, and we see how after all of the, the length of life Abraham went through with Sarah, they had no children. He finally gets his son and he's asked to sacrifice his son. That's re- that had to be tough for Abraham. He's like, Lord, if this is your will, I- I'll do it. And so there's this great sense of internal suffering that Abraham probably had to go through. And yet, he didn't doubt that God would provide, that God would give more. Next, we encounter Moses, and the, and the form there is the nation, and the sign is the Passover, and, and we hear about this great exodus, this removal from slavery from, from the Egyptians, and how the Lord is still watching over and protecting his people. And then we, we didn't hear this one, but David's included in here, and, and his form is the kingdom, and his sign is the throne. But then finally we come to Jesus. And the true one, what we've been celebrating from Thursday to Friday to tonight, has been centrally focused on Christ's action. His whole mission, his whole purpose was to come and to die. And that's what we've been praying with. But tonight, we get to celebrate the resurrection. Amen? Amen. Like he's alive. Hallelujah! Oh, cool. I didn't expect you to do that one. Nice. You're catching on. You're feeling my vibe. I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah, we celebrate that Christ is alive, that death has been defeated, that victory is with the Lord. There's something called a kerygma. Kerygma is just this fancy Greek word that means like the speaking of the, the gospel, the telling of the gospel story. In the seminary, we would go on these mission trips and we'd often practice giving kerygmas. We'd give testimonies of the gospel. And as a deacon on a mission trip, I was asked to give like the kerygma, the kerygma for this group of college students. And I went back and I reread that this morning. I just think it's worth hearing this kerygma, this story of the Lord. So here it is. There is an infinite God who has created everything we see. He's created everything we experience. He's created everything that we encounter. And this God is all-powerful. He's all-knowing. And yet he's also very personal. And this God cares for each individual that has either been in existence, is in existence, or will be in existence. This God cannot and should not be limited by the feelings that we have towards him because his feelings towards us are unlimited. This God loved us into existence and loves, above all things, desires are good. This God seeks a relationship and he's merciful and just. This God is not limited or any less because he became man. This God is not vengeful 
He does not seek to destroy humanity. And this God is seeking after each of us, challenging us, pushing us, building us up to be his true sons and daughters. This God will not accept anything less than the best from us. So then the question becomes, why do we give less than our best? Why do we cheat him? Why do we belittle him? Why do we simplify him? Why do we make him less than he is? Because we just heard how great he is. Here's the facts. God loves you. God is in love with you. And God desires a relationship with you. God cares about us, but at the end of the day, those feelings that we can have can be misconstrued, right? We can lose sight of the bigger picture. We can get stuck in the, the nitty-gritty of the day-to-day runnings of our lives. But God has a response. And he attempted throughout salvation history to bring us back to him. Went through Adam, Adam failed. Went through Noah, Noah failed. Abraham, fail. Moses, fail. David, fail. Jesus, victory. So God had this solution, and it involved his son. One who was meant to bridge the gap. One who was meant to both be divine and human. Jesus succeeds where people failed. So again, God loves you, and he's relentless. He is unceasing in his vigor to pursue after you. Again, God is in love with you, right? He gave his son up for death so that we could receive salvation. And again, God desires a relationship with you. Jesus left the Holy Spirit for us to be our advocate and to be someone we can turn to when the Father or the Son seems so far away. God has not abandoned us. He never will. For thousands of years, he fought to restore relationship. Because God loves us, because God is in love with us, and he desires a relationship with us, we have been created not just as men and women, not just as people wandering around on this planet, but we have been created as sons and daughters, beloved sons and daughters, unique and distinct sons and daughters to the King. God, we have seen, lowered himself to our level, but that never once lessened who he is, and what he is capable of. He is the king of the universe. He is the creator of all. And he lowers himself, gives us his son as an infant out of love. So what we experience tonight is one of the most beautiful realities of that love where we receive eternal life. For those that have been baptized, we already walk in this great gift. Those about to receive baptism will have this gift forever. 
nothing can take this away from you. Nothing can remove this. Nothing can tarnish this reality that you'll be forever marked on your soul as a son or daughter. So we have to think about what sacraments mean and why they're so important in the church. Sacraments confer the grace they signify, meaning the gift that they represent, that's exactly what they give. So baptism cleanses us. It forgives all of our sin. Now, you'll have to go to confession in like a month probably. I know. They all get it. We all have to go to confession. But tonight, anything that's ever happened in in a longer, shorter life as you've lived, it's gone. Because that's what baptism does is it washes us clean. And then there's confirmation. Confirmation is where we are sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit. We are sealed to go on mission for God. It's not just that we live this faith in a bubble. We actually have to go out and tell people about him. But we can't do that without strength. And so you're going to be sealed with this Holy Spirit. You have these particular saints that you have chosen because they have witnessed something in your life that means something to you. But then lastly, and most importantly, is the reception of communion, the Eucharist, the body and blood of Jesus. Once again, this is not a symbol. This is not a gesture. This is not an idea. This is reality, the physical, living, true body and blood of Jesus. And as crazy as that sounds, that's what we proclaim. And so to be given life and be washed clean, to be sealed and and sent on a mission, we can't do that without nourishment. We can't do that without food. We can't do that if we are empty. And so we are filled by the Lord in the Eucharist. This, brothers and sisters, is truly the greatest gift he's given us. God, who, again, creator of cosmos, lowers himself, humbles himself, so that we can receive him. The church celebrates the mystery of her Lord until he comes again, when God will bring everything to everyone. Tonight the Lord wants to remind all of us of his great gift, of what his existence has meant, what all of this was for. It was for us. When God created the heavens and the earth, he thought of you. When God put everything in motion, he is thinking of you. Yeah, you, Caitlin, and you, Andrea, and you, Miles, and you, Jaden, and everyone else, he was thinking of you. And you might think, oh, okay, whatever, not really. I see your eyes. But he was. He's thinking of all of us. And so this great gift is what you get to encounter tonight. We as a church get to celebrate with you. And we get to be reminded of our own gifts with the Lord. So our challenge when we leave this vigil tonight, when we rejoice in the resurrection, the the living reality of God, is we have to go and engage life. We have to engage our faith. We have to go out and we have to do what our faith 
is doing in us. We have to wake others up. We have to share the good news of what we've encountered. So the question that we can reflect on tonight is, what is going to change in our lives after tonight? Because for the four of you, your lives will never be the same. There is no going back. It's just not an option. So when we go forward, for all of us, what will be different? What is the Lord asking? What is the Lord inviting? What is the Lord encouraging us to do? The one who loves you, is in love with you, and desires relationship with you. Brothers and sisters, what will change after tonight?